May the people of God say amen. 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 Again, if you can take out your Bible, I pray that you brought your Bible, that you're carrying a Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter two. There'll be some verses on the screen, um, but not all of them. Hebrews chapter two, verses five through 10. Let me first tell you about uh, a 19 year old uh, young man who wrote, he wrote 70 resolutions when he was 19 years old. Things that he had resolved that would be part of his life. I'm just going to read you a few of them. Uh, number seven was, uh, I resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Uh, number nine, his resolve was to think much on all occasions of my dying and of the common circumstances which attend death. Seventeen. His resolve was that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. Now, it might seem morbid. I'll read another one here in just a moment. It might seem morbid thoughts that what he's, what these resolves that I read, now there's 70 of them, but that these resolves that I read reflect around dying. Jonathan Edwards wrote these and you can find these in the work works of Jonathan Edwards. He was certainly part of the great awakening and great revivals. But what you, what you come to know about what he's stating is that it's not about being morbid and being over consumed with the thought of death. It's more so of him recognizing that this life is not the end of life, that there is something beyond this. And what he, what he did not want to do was to get himself consumed with just living here on earth only. His first resolve was this, that I will do whatsoever I think to be, the, be most to the glory of God and my own good and pleasure in the whole, du- whole of my duration without any consideration of the time, whether now or never. And his thought process was this, that I'm not just living for now. I'm living for what's next. I'm living for what God's purpose is. I'm living for God's intent. I'm living for God's glory. And the good of God, the goodness of God does not just rest in this life alone. That's part of that. And I'll I'll talk about that. But it does seem to me that oftentimes we as Christians can really get too focused on the here and now and and lose focus of the life that God has prepared for us that's including and part of eternity. And so what happens in that kind of mindset and that process is is when, when we live life with just an earthly mindset or an earthly mentality, Even though we know that God provides for us eternal life and we understand it or have an idea that's where we go when we go to heaven, whenever we're going through struggles and whenever we're going through trials and whenever we're going through challenges, even when you're reminded that there is eternity for you, there is a heavenly place for you, our mindset sometimes is, you know, heaven is a nice thought but I want, I, want, I want a good life now. I want to succeed in family, succeed in business, emotional life, etc. That's what I want, and I can think about heaven later. 
there's, there's a thought to that, of course, that because of God's goodness and faithfulness, certainly we can have a good life here on earth. At the same time, no, the whole purpose of God in our life is not to make us so comfortable on earth that we just become earthly minded. That, that we think the end of life for us, that we get so relaxed in this life and can build a, a life that's free from things that first of all can't even really possibly happen here on earth, but we get a short-sightedness when we get in the midst of trials. A short-sightedness. And, and instead of witnessing what God can do in the midst of those in preparation for what he wants next, we sometimes get stuck on the things that are the personal challenges that we have in our life. I thought about this morning about um, the eagle and uh, mommy, mommy eagle and daddy eagle and the eaglet. And most of you know that um, as the eaglet gets older, there comes a time when the eaglet has to get out on its own and become an adult eagle, be the eagle that it was created to be. No eaglet is born to stay an eaglet. An eaglet is to become an adult eagle. Well, actually, but the eaglet gets real comfortable just being in the nest. And because as long as it's in the nest and it doesn't have to go through the challenges of learning how to fly, as long as it's in the nest, daddy eagle gonna keep bringing the food. Daddy Eagle going to keep bringing the food to the eaglet. And the eaglet stands there, mouth wide open, waiting for Daddy Eagle, eats what it wants to eat, and just nestles down in that nest. Well, it's not Daddy Eaglet who gets to the place to realize this has got to change. It's Mama Eaglet that realizes this boy can't stay in my house. This little eaglet can't stay here. This is Mama and Daddy Eagle's nest not your nest, right? And so when daddy eagle is going out to get the food, mama eagle goes out and gets some thorns and different things to put in the nest to make the nest a little bit uncomfortable. So over a period of time, daddy eagle may be still bringing the the food, but the little eaglet eventually has to keep sliding around in the nest so that it can rest itself when daddy eagle brings the food until eventually the little eaglet is right on the edge of the nest because it's so uncomfortable in the nest. And it's not Daddy Eagle that says, okay, now is the right time. It's actually when Daddy Eagle goes out to get them food that Mama Mama Eagle, and maybe she does it on accident, but when the little eaglet is on the edge of the nest, Mama Eagle just like, boom, and out the little eaglet goes. The problem with the little eaglet that is there is a concern of how the eagle can flap its wings and deal with all the turmoil and the, and the pressure. And I'm certainly not going to try to talk like I know aerodynamics, but there's winds and there's things out there that the little eaglet's got to fight through to learn how to fly. When daddy eagle sees the little eaglet on its way down, tumbling, wrestling with it, it's, it's daddy eagle that comes and swoops the little rascal up and brings him back to the edge of the nest. Maybe probably gives Mama Eagle a scowl like, don't be kicking my babies out of my house. But, but brings a little rascal, puts him on the edge of the nest until the next time he goes out and Mama Eagle pushes that bad boy out again. Somewhere down the line, the little eaglet realizes, I got to work through this. 
I got to work through this. It's somewhere down the line in all of that turmoil and all of that wind and all of that pressure that the eaglet realizes I'm made to be an eagle. I'm made to live for what God has created me to be. And I got to get on with life through all of this turmoil and all of this pressure and all of this wind. I got I can't be comfortable there because I got another home. And I think sometimes we as Christians, we get like the eaglet. That we're so comfortable in the thing that is nice and cushy and is soft and, and life is just wonderful. Little eaglet doesn't have a care in the world. And I think God wants us to realize that some of these things that we go through, some of these trials, some of these challenges, some of these situations, they're to keep us from getting comfortable in a place that's not our home. Am I talking to the right church? And so 1 Corinthians 4.12 says it like this. It says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. And on a practical note, that was Peter writing to, I believe, uh, Christians that was in Jerusalem. But the statement that he's making is very much the statement that the writer of Hebrews is saying that we've been reading through. Because there in Jerusalem, they were going through trials. And actually, the folks in Hebrews could have been in the same spot. But they were going, going through trials, going through challenges, personal things. To the point, though, to where it was making um, their mindset become a little weak concerning um, enduring and focusing on the, on the right things. As I shared with you earlier, what was happening here is that, that other people around them, because life was not, they were going through some challenges, some trials, they were you know, losing jobs, losing homes, being ostracized out of the community. In the, in the process of all that, other folks around them was telling them, well, why are you believing in Jesus? Why are you trusting him? And many of us know it's oftentimes when we go through things like that, that we ask, why did God let this happen? Why uh, doesn't God love me? Isn't, isn't God a, a good God? Why is this happening? Why did he let this happen? Those kind of questions. They were hearing those things. But in, 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 instead of them uh, embracing what God wanted to do, their mindset was, I, maybe I should bail out of this. Maybe I should back up on Christianity. Maybe I shouldn't keep my confidence and trust in Jesus. And that's what the writer wanted to address. So if you're in Hebrews chapter two, I'm not gonna take very long to to bring this out, but I I, I want you uh, to look at verse number five and want you to hear this and then we'll we'll get to it. It says, "Now now it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made for him a little, for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him 
for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In verse 10, which I'm kind of borrowing from the next section, but I want to close out with it. For it was fitting that he, for whom by all things exist and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. I'm going to do my best to unpackage this, but I want to give you the big idea out of that section. And, and it's simply this. To endure our present sufferings, we must focus on the glory of Christ that's ahead of us. It's that simple. If we're going to endure the things we're going through now, we have to focus on the glory of Christ that's ahead of us. Now, when the writer is speaking here about a world to come, again, he's and in verse number five, he's not talking about this earth. He is talking about a day, an age, a kingdom where we will have the uh, great honor and the privilege and joy of experiencing life with God for eternity. We call it heaven, kingdom of God. It's a place that has no end. It's a place that has no president. It's a place that has no government. It's a place that has no Congress. It's a place where God is all in all, where he is the authority. He's the one that sits on the throne and he makes everything right. It's a world that's so different than this one. Because in this place, we still suffer disease and we suffer handicaps and we suffer sin and we suffer violence and we suffer hostility. We suffer heartache and we suffer heartbreak. Those things we experience here. But in that eternal kingdom, there is no experience of that. There is no pain. There is no disease. There's no death. There's no dying. There's no injustices. There's no racism. There's no prejudices. There's no offenses. It's the kingdom of God. And if I can just drop a dime on you, it's a great place to want to be. It is the kingdom of God that is free from the stuff that we deal with every day. And my desire and my hope is that every one of you go there. Look at your neighbor and says, he wants you to go. I want you all to get there. And Christ has made that possible. Through the death of the cross, he's made it possible that every one of us can have eternal life and live in this place for all eternity. He's made that possible for every one of us. Now, here is the issue. The the latter portion of that verse that I read in verse number eight, it says, even though he made everything subjected to us being man, It goes on to say, though, but now we don't see everything subject to them. And he's referring to something that took place, something that we call the fall of man. It's back in Genesis chapter one, because this is what I want you to know. And this is what I want you to understand. The things that we experience here on earth, that was never God's intent for us. Listen to me. God never intended for us to get sick. God never intended for us to suffer. God never intended for us to have diseases. God never intended for us to die. God never intended for us to have a heartache or heartbreak. God never intended for anybody to lie on you. God never intended for anybody to commit murder. God never intended for nobody to steal from you and cheat from you. God never intended that. Are y'all hearing me? That is not what God created you for and set you up. God did not set us up to live in that kind of condition. But something happened. 
When Adam and Eve was in the garden, the scripture says that God provided everything they needed. Everything they needed. Listen, here it is. Husband and wife in the garden. They got no, no, they don't argue. Can you imagine? Did you say? We have marriage counselors on staff. But can you imagine living in a place where no arguments, no offenses, nobody's, I love this part, nobody's ashamed to walk around naked. Love it. Nobody's ashamed to walk around naked. It's all purity. Thoughts are pure. Actions are pure. Attitude is pure. As a matter of fact, and then God says, listen, I'm going to give you authority over all the earth. I'm going to give you authority over the plants. I'm going to give you authority over the animals. You are in charge. This is your place. I'm creating you a place. Here I'm putting people. I'm going to love you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be in fellowship with you. I'm going to come hang out with you every day. And you have nothing to worry about. Perfect environment. And I'm going to give you charge. But Houston, we have a problem. Because somewhere down the line, some little rascal comes along that we call Satan or the devil or the enemy. He comes along and he appeals to the thing in man that can always be appealed to us. And that is whatever we got is never enough. Whatever we got is never enough. So here comes Satan. He, Adam and Eve know that man, life is great. God has provided it all. All we got to do is do what he tells us to do. And the devil comes along and says, let me tell you what the problem is. Yeah, you got it great here. But the reason God doesn't want you to do a certain thing, this particular thing, is because you're going to be just like him. And something within us has this desire to be God over our own life. When God is not good enough, we create a God. And oftentimes the God we create is us. Am I talking to the right church or that? Yeah, I'm talking to the right church. We create. So with all the perfect environment, listen, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no death, no animals fighting with each other, trees going and producing. I mean, they had pecans, apples, peaches, you name it. They had it all. Everything going fantastic. God coming and walking with them every single day. They had everything they needed. But what appealed to them? That's not enough. I want to be just like God. And because they gave into that, the scripture says they fell into sin. We call that the fall. When Adam and Eve fell, it had an effect on all mankind. Their rebellion had an effect on all of us. And it's because of Adam and Eve's sin that we now deal with the things that we deal with. That was not the plan of God from the beginning, but because of the sin of man and the rebellion of man, the, the fall now ushers in sin, sickness, and disease. But that's not the end of the story. And thank God is not the end of the story. There, we're going to go through some stuff here on earth, but here's the mindset that we have to have. This is not the end of it. This is not where I want to be forever. This is, listen, who would want to live here forever when your sickness, disease, heartache, and heartbreak? You're not going to change none of that. I, I'm here to tell you that one of my favorite cartoons when I was young was this one uh, called I'm Looking for the Perfect Place. It was this hair bear bunch. 
I'm really dating myself, right? Y'all looking at me like, was it black and white? I hear you. But no, no, it wasn't black and white. It was color TV. And they would go from, we had color TVs. We'd go from place to place and and they would try to find this perfect place. That, That show went off the air. And you know what happened? They never found it. Because you're not gonna find it here on earth. Because this is not where we're supposed to be. Daddy Eagle is taking the role of Mama Eagle and making life uncomfortable here. Because he wants us, and the things that we go through in this life is designed to get us an eternal perspective. Beyond ourselves, beyond this earth, beyond this world, into an eternal perspective. But there's some stuff that we got to go through. I I saw the movie First Man, and I I like the movie. Um, Things about it, you know, there's, yeah, I liked it. I'll just leave it at that. And the thing, though, that that really spoke to me, honestly, the most, and I'm not an astronaut, and so there may be an astronaut in here, so I hope I'm not messing up the aerodynamics of this whole thing. But the thing that got me the most is the, when they leave Earth, and they go through that phase of entering into space before they get to a calm, the violence that goes on in that aircraft, the, the shaking and the violence that they gotta go through. Of course, I learned that they, they, they train for that. They have endurance tests. And a lot of astronauts never make the cut because they don't have the endurance to get through that phase of going from Earth to getting there. And listen, I'm here to tell you, going from Earth to eternity, there's some violence along the way. There's some rough stuff that we got to go through. There's some challenges that we got to face. And I'm telling you, what God is trying to do in our lives is to take us through endurance tests so that we can get to that place where everything is wonderful. Can you shout hallelujah? And so this is, and so this is what he says, and this is verse number nine. Uh, and out of the home and uh, Christian standard, it says, but we see, but we do see Jesus because this is what the writer wants us to do. He's telling us now, I want you, instead of focusing on the issues that are before you, I want you to focus on the one who came to help us get through those issues. He says, listen, but we see Jesus. Now, he's not necessarily saying that all of them saw Jesus with their own eyes because they all didn't. There might have been some who might have been alive during that time who did see Jesus with their own eyes. It's possible. But what he's saying is, I want you to see what Jesus has done to help us while we're in these seasons of life to get through them and get beyond them. And he was the great example. We see Jesus. He's saying, let's look at Jesus because this is what Jesus did. See, the love of Jesus is not a love that just rests in heaven. And he's an innocent, he's a bystander when he sees us going through struggles. He's just looking down on us and says, oh, those poor, poor people. It's a shame that they have to live that life. Look what Adam and Eve has done to them. They're doomed. Life is doomed for them. That's not what God's love did. God's love went beyond that because God loves us as he values us as people. And 
The fact of the, the matter is God loves his creation and he knows what his intent is. So it's in Jesus Christ that he uses him and that's his desire is to get us back to the place of where he originally intended. And so this is what Jesus did. I love this passage. I want you to, I want you to hear this. It says this, he had equal status with God but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Talking about Jesus, being God, equal status as God, but did not, in this situation, did not think I'm just gonna hold on to this who I am and do nothing about it. Watch this, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privilege. Listen, instead he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death is that, a crucifixion. Let me tell you what the writer is saying. Jesus wasn't just a bystander that looked upon us in this sinful, suffering condition. Jesus put on a uniform and got in the game. He got in the game. Jesus put on a army suit, marine suit, I don't want to offend nobody, Air Force suit, Navy suit. He put on a suit and he got in the war. He got in the battle. Jesus got down in the foxhole with us. Jesus came alongside and says, I know what you're going through. Temptation, I got it. Suffering, I got it. Heartache and heartbreak, man, I got it. Going through trials, I get all that. But I'm here for you and I'm going to die for you so you don't have to go through that anymore. He came down to earth to experience all of the things that we go through. And then he died for us. And the reason that he died for us is because no one unrighteous can die for unrighteous people so that we would be made righteous. So the righteous God gets into the game, puts on human flesh, come down here and lives with us, dealing with the same life situations that we deal with, and then surrender his life to a cross for sinful people who didn't love him, who didn't acknowledge him, who, who rebelled against him and said, I got this, I'm going to die for you you I'm getting in the game and I'm going to take you to victory that's what Jesus did that's what Jesus did and that's why the writer says just look at Jesus just look at Jesus and in the meantime while we go through all of this stuff and you know it well as I do we live every day with our lives in jeopardy every hour we live in jeopardy people can be at the at the height of professional achievement, at the height of it, looking to the next level and develop a brain tumor and become an imbecile. We hear stories after stories of athletes and athletic people on their way to fame and then something happens and they become paralyzed. While on earth we're subject to fights and disunity and conflict. We hear of distresses in nations and wars. We just had a deal yesterday. A guy goes into a synagogue and shoots up 11 people. Some other idiot sending around bombs to, to blow up people. We hear of economic hardship and health hazards and military threats. All of the while, we see that. I was just telling a V this morning. Every time I go by a hospital or I see a police car or I see a fireman, 
that has to go out and and do a job. Every time I, I see these things, I think these are here because of the fall of man. I want you to catch this. We wouldn't have police if man hadn't failed. We wouldn't have fire departments if man hadn't failed. We wouldn't have veterinarian clinics if man hadn't failed. We wouldn't have hospitals. We wouldn't have earthquakes. We wouldn't have tornadoes and hurricanes. All of those are because of the fall of man, but we got to live with them every single day. But Jesus says, I'm not leaving you to live with those things alone because I don't want you to stay there. I don't want you to remain in that. I don't want you to be subject to that day after day after day. Jesus says, I'm telling you, if you get your eyes beyond this earth and get a heavenly perspective, there will be a day when all of this stuff that's breaking your heart and causing suffering, all of that will end and we'll have peace forevermore. Y'all doing all right? And so let me just wrap this up with just a few things and I'll... I'll let you go. One of the, one of the things that we, we need to do, I think it helps us, is to let, let our destiny determine our life. If your end product and focus is on this earth, whatever it be, if, if for you, the pinnacle of it all is becoming a four-star general, or if the pinnacle of it all is becoming a multi-million dollar athlete, or the pinnacle of it all is is having so much money in the bank for retirement. You might accomplish that, but you still keep everything else that goes with it. You can, you can hit the pinnacle of your life and still live in the fear of death. You can get, make it to the top of your field and still be subject to disease. Our focus, our destiny should never be what we determine is the height of it all here on earth. Our destiny should always be what we know God has provided for us beyond this earth. And there's something about focusing on that. I love, I love a passage that's in John 17, 24. Jesus said this. He said, Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. And then they can see all the glory you've given me. I want them to be where I am. And the great news of that, and I think I read it in verse number 10, the great news of that is in verse number 10 where he says, talking about uh, God, uh, Christ, uh, God in Christ, he says he's bringing many sons to glory. I, I want you to catch this. Well, first of all, let me just drop this on you. I don't think I've ever read one prayer in the Bible that Jesus prayed that didn't get answered. I don't think I read one. So I'm here to tell you, when Jesus goes before the Father and says, and I'm just going to make it real personal, he says, Father, I want Tyrone to be with me in glory. I'm, I'm betting that that prayer gets answered. I'm betting that that prayer gets answered. Because that's the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just so I can drop this on you before I get to the altar call, I don't want to chase you out too soon. But, it, but, but listen, if you don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, all of the stuff that I just talked about that goes on here on earth, that's how it ends for you. It don't get no better. You can't make bad better. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. I may might, I might wrap this up a little early, looking at me like Alice in Wonderland. You can't make bad better. You can't make bad better. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make bad people good. He didn't die on the cross to make good people better. Jesus died on the cross to make dead people alive. Alive. And that life, that new life, that new perspective only comes 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Focus in. Let your destiny determine your perspective. And then the other thing is to follow the leader. Follow the leader. Who's that leader? It's Jesus. Look at what it says, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Check this out. The Hebrews writer says, just keep following Jesus. He endured stuff. He endured temptation. He endured trials. But he kept going forward. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. We need to follow the leader. Colossians 2, 6 says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. We just keep following him. We see Jesus. We know what he went through. I want to show you a picture here. It's actually one of my favorite pictures. Uh, I was in a class years and years ago, and uh, they showed me this picture because this last point is really simple. It's hang in there. It's just that simple. Hang in there. There's, there's no biblical, there's no, no, no Greek words I need to give you. Just hang in there. There's going to be some things that it's feel like it's going to take you out. But I, I love the little... I mean, I love that frog's heart. He's thinking, man, you, you know, you could, you could probably get me. You're bigger than me. You, 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 I, my head is in your mouth, but ain't no way I'm going down. I'm hanging in there. All of us, I encourage you. You keep your eyes on Jesus and you hang in there. I'm telling you, it gets gooder and gooder. My grandfather used to say that. It gets gooder and gooder. And here's the last verse. He says, this is talking about our Lord and Savior, talking about hanging in there. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Listen, church, he will give eternal life if you keep on pursuing the good of him. He's the only one that can give us immortality. He's the only one that can give you eternal life. I'm here to tell you, the perspective from up there is a whole lot better than the perspective of life from here. There's only one way to get there, and that's to look to the almighty God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for every one of your sins, every one of your sufferings, every one of your temptations, every one of your heartbreaks, and every one of your heartaches. The only one that took those to the cross is Jesus Christ, my Lord. Everybody stand if you would. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. I'm going to give you an opportunity. A couple of prayers I'll pray. Give you an opportunity to pray for someone else also. And also give you an opportunity to come to, to know Jesus. I don't normally do this in this manner. And you don't have to bridge the aisles. But I'm going to ask if you don't mind joining the hand with the person next to you. If you don't mind that. It might be somebody you know. It may, not be, it may be somebody you don't know. Again, you don't have to bridge the aisle. It's all right. But if you can just join with somebody. And here, here is why we're going to do this. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. Let me, let me ask, tell you why. This is what I know. Every one of us have something that we got on our prayer list. Something that we're taking before the Lord. Something that we're asking God to help with. It can be very personal. But every, every bit of it is very real. Something that might be weighing on your heart. Something that you need some to overcome something that's been troubling you something that could be weighing you down we all got it we all got something we're asking God for I'm going to pray for you as a whole I'm just going to ask you to pray for the person whose hand you're holding you might know them and you might know the situation or you may not you don't have to ask them what it is 
but I'm going to pray. Some of you might pray out loud for him. Some of you may not, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray for him as if you were praying for yourself, as if, as if you were praying for yourself. And I'm going to pray that God will give us all the endurance to keep focused on Jesus to get through these things. So let's go before him. Father, I just want to take this moment. Now, I thank you for the word that encourages us and points us to Jesus. We can see what he endured. We can see what he went through on our behalf. And we see, Lord God, that he's sitting on the throne in glory, victorious. It's this Jesus that we look to. It's this Jesus, Lord God, that gives us the strength and the ability to endure. It's this Jesus that is a great leader and a great example for us. And I thank you, Lord God, for the witness, the life of Christ that gives us inspiration and encouragement. And Lord, as we pray for people in this house, everyone here might have something, Lord God, that they want a weight that's being, that they want lifted or endurance that they need through a challenge or a process or a journey even. Lord, the faith to continue to resist the, uh, the temptation to back out or bail out or to turn away. And so, Lord, it's my desire in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we hold hands of one another that the Spirit of God will come and give peace and give comfort and give assurance that, Lord, that even here in this prayer, we'll learn to trust you in these times, not to be our own gods, not to take this thing on ourselves, not to try to handle what we can't handle, but to trust you to do it. You're the God that promised that you would. You sent Jesus to help us. The Spirit of God is within us. So, Lord God, we're asking in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that everyone in this house, as they seek you right now, as we pray for each other, Lord God, that there would be a, a confidence and a strength and an encouragement and endurance that we can persist, that we won't give up, that we'll keep pressing forward and we'll keep our eyes on you. In the name of the Lord.